You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, let's bring in Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live co-host, and of course an analyst for NBC Sunday Night Football. What was your reaction to Carson Palmer mentioning Mike Tomlin's name as a possible USC head coach candidate? Well, I was surprised to hear it. I mean, anytime you hear Carson Palmer talk about USC, of course, you you perk up a little bit. He did win the Heisman. He, of course, knows some of the the big players at that school as far as, you know, the the guys that are tossing around the ideas of who should who should coach for their team. Um, Mike Tomlin, he'd be I, I can't ever envision him making that move. I can't just because I think he's so ingrained in the NFL and that way of life. But I do think he could be successful in college. He's the best communicator I've ever been around, or at least one of the best. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. You know, he was in Tampa, one of the secondary coaches, uh, the secondary coach when I was there. And he's a great motivator. He really understands how to connect to people. There's no excuses or BS. And from that standpoint, and of course, knows football. Yeah, I think he could do it for sure. But uh, I, I just don't see it happening. I think he likes NFL head coach life and likes being the head coach of the Steelers. Either of those two teams last night any good? Uh, I, I mean, no, the Seahawks are not, they're not that that's, you know, again, they'll continue to play tough and compete, but like, what, what is there to be, what's there to look at to be good? I mean, on defense. Okay. The two safeties are good. You know, I mean, Bobby Wagner's, you know, solid still, but getting up there in years, the Jordan Brooks linebacker, good. Nobody on the D line. You're going, Oh wow. You better game plan to stop that guy. Nothing, no corner to worry about. And then the offense offensive line average, you know, running back Chris Carson, not healthy. And I mean, with Russell Wilson out, the best thing they got going for their team is DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And it's like, they almost go out of their way not to give them the ball. I I don't understand that. (laughs) So that's crazy. I do give a little hope for new Orleans. I do because I think their defense is legit as you saw last night and that will continue, but the offensive line can be overpowering the past games are work in progress. Jameis is a work in progress right now, and so are the receivers to go along with it. So it's kind of a double whammy. And I think, you know, with Sean Payton, I have faith in him. I give them hope to be, you know, I think they can get in the playoffs. I picked them to be in the playoffs and be a pain in the butt once they get in there. If they can just get the offense rolling a little bit, maybe get Michael Thomas back, that would help. Okay, wait a minute. How long is Jameis Winston a work in progress? Well, he's a work in progress for, like, like life in the NFL away from what he did in Tampa. I mean, this is year seven though, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, I I get it, you know, but, you know, he got into a team there where, of course, he did some good things, and we know he did a lot of stupid things there too, but also they they never really reined him in, so he's trying to rewire the robot here a little bit as far as just protecting the football, doing the right thing. You know, hey, they're they're winning football games. It hasn't been pretty. Yeah, he misses some throws, uh, but we're seeing the stupid plays disappear. I think that's a positive. And again, like, you know, you, you saw last night. Hey, he threw a great go ball down the right side into Kenny Stills. I mean, I don't know. It's right in two hands. Catch it. A post route down the middle early on in the game. I don't know what the hell the Traquan Smith was doing. Mm. So you know, they're not real talented at that position. He needs a little help there. And, yeah, he's not perfect within that offense. And I think Sean Payton, too, Dan, to your point, is is bringing him along slowly. He doesn't want to make it all about him and then him revert back to the guy he used to be and screw things up and screw things up for their football team. All right, if you're Russell Wilson, yeah, do you want to stay in Seattle? 
<laughs> that's a uh, Florio and I spent a good portion of the show today talking about this topic because, uh, I mean, of course he made waves on your show last year, mm. and I know people behind the scenes who have talked to Russell Wilson, he wants to be in a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes type offense. Seattle shows no signs of doing that. I mean, it's still, yeah, they got Shane Waldron from the Rams. It's still the same Seattle look. We're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play defense. And we just hope to have a one score game in the fourth quarter. Oh, great. That's fun. Coach. That's what we're hoping for. Just a one score game in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, Russell pulls off magic. So he's got to be thinking about it a little bit or worried about it to a degree. Cause I don't know if it's in their realm realm of, you know, realistic possibilities that Pete Carroll will let them change on offense and become anything else other than what we've seen really the the whole era he's been there. But I wonder, does Seattle want to keep him and does Russ want to stay there? Because yeah, they, they could be I, two different answers there and, and maybe they want to. I mean, Pete is the oldest coach in the NFL. Does he right. does he want to sit here and do what Belichick is trying to do in, in uh, New England? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a big big question. I I think we're I, I would not be shocked if we we're headed towards this type of conversation when the off season's over, where Russell's just like, hey, listen, it's coming to an end. You guys want to play defense and run the ball, and that's cool, and I respect it. But you know, I'd like to broaden my horizons a little bit and get into three, four wides shotgun let me let the game be about me and me applying the pressure on defenses and play through that instead of let's play through the running game and defense and then when we're down by four in the fourth quarter just ask me to make magic happen that's that's a hard way to live and that's what he's been doing there for a while talking to chris sims pro football talk live co-host and analyst for nbc sunday night football according to uh, espn's dan graziano the cleveland browns are looking at an offer, contract offer, with Baker Mayfield. And uh, it would pay him in the mid to high $30 million per year to stick around. So maybe an 80% offer of what the going rate would be for a good to elite quarterback there. It's not Josh Allen money. It's not Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. If you're Baker, do you – I don't know what kind of leverage he has, Chris. Sure. I mean, he's right. not Dak Prescott. Dak no, Pres- he's not. D- Dak passed on this, bet yeah. on himself, even got injured, and still ended up with his paycheck. Right. Uh, what would you do if you're Baker Mayfield, if that is the yeah, and, offer to stay? Yeah, I mean, and, and Dak, you know, even before the injury and up to that, played at a much higher level than people kind of wanted to give him credit for now. You know, now everybody's like, whoa, look how good he is. And it's like, no, he was good all along. They've just gotten better as a football team finally here. I would take it if I'm Baker Mayfield. I mean, I think your point's right. You know, again, what's the leverage that's out there? Do you really want to play that game? You're in a pretty good spot. You were the number one pick. They believe in you. You know, there's something to be said about that. And, hey, you got a team there that's, you know, of course, it it is good. Hey, they're disappointing. They're four and three. They're one of the better rosters in football, but still, like, fixable. And a lot of talent on both sides of the ball to where – Man, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence. I, I would take that if I'm him. And I think that's a solid offer by the Browns, too, because you said it right. I mean, he's he's not one of the five best quarterbacks. That's for sure. He's not in that class. And to me, like, this is where the NFL and front office guys got to change a little bit. It can't always be next guy up. He gets more money. 
Mm-hmm. No, absolutely not. At some point, they got to draw a line in the sand, or we're going to have keep having Jared Goff issues with some of these quarterbacks, where they're going to go, "What the hell were we thinking?" Two or three years down the road, he's better than Jared Goff. I'm not trying to say that, but of course, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster with his play, you know, through his career. Uh, so I would take it if I'm him. I I would if I'm the Browns, I wait till the end of the year. Let Let's just see. Yeah. You know, you got right. the shoulder. You're going to have surgery. Um, you know, I, you're going to have other guys available. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo may be available. Russell Wilson, maybe Aaron Rodgers. You make a run at yes. him. Like a, I, you know, I hear you. Before I sign up, Baker Mayfield, and then I realize, oh, my God, we, we could have had – they wanted Russell Wilson a couple of years ago. Yes, they did. Because Seattle, from what I'm told, was going to take Josh Allen, and right. the Browns were going to take Russell Wilson. They were going to have a trade between, you know, yeah. th- those two yeah. teams. So, yeah. I, I know Russ was open to that. Cleveland wanted him, and Seattle was ready to move on from Russell Wilson and get John. You imagine if that happened? Well, well, I know. I know. I was one of the guys that kind of broke that that story there, and you know. But yeah, I mean, that's that's it's uh, it's uh, it would be amazing. It really would be. I mean, yeah, it, it would. It's of course at that time you didn't know what Josh Allen was going to be. You knew Wilson was certainly one of the best quarterbacks in football. I'm sure. You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know who got cold feet in that conversation or where that got slowed down there. Uh, but either way, the Browns went with Baker Mayfield, and hey, the way they play, I mean, they're not. It's not. It doesn't have to be quarterback centric, right? That's you know, again, the greatness of the Browns is their run game. It's the best offensive line in football. It's the best. It's the most well coached offensive line in football. And with those two running backs healthy, damn, they're good. They really are. And maybe they just look at it too like, okay, yeah, maybe you could get Rodgers or Wilson or somebody like that in the offseason, but there's no guarantee that happens. And uh, maybe that opens up a can of the worms they don't want to deal with either. I I, I got to wrap my head around it more, but um, I understand them staying with Baker Mayfield. He is their guy. He has shown positive signs and played really well at points. It's just every time I'm sitting there ready to go, man, he's got it. He's awesome. He looks good. He puts two or three games together where I go, what the hell? I'm not sure if he does got it. And we're back to, you know, the same conversation. And, you know, who knows better than them? And hopefully they do know better than us. He's a good quarterback with great marketing. I mean, that's that, sure. That, that's that's sure. what it comes down to. He he appears to be a star, even though he's not he doesn't play like a star. But but no, he has right. He has that presence. A um, couple other things here. Yeah. Your advice for the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes would be? Well, I mean, uh, you know, again, nothing new that you haven't heard. You know, of course, they got to show the ability to be able to be boring and execute and go on Breeze and Brady type drives that we used to see with New England and the Saints where it's 12 plays, 85 yards and, and bore some teams to where they get up there and start to play them differently to go, whoa, we can't just die a slow death or they're just going to surgically destroy us all game. But but in a bigger picture, too, you know, I've broken this down on my podcast a few times, and it reared its ugly head because I watched the film in this game this past week yesterday. Mahomes played his worst game as a pro on Sunday, hands down. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I mean, he missed some reads where I'd go, there's the first read, throw it. Yeah. He's kind of looking at the rush. His pocket presence is really, I think, the most concerning thing right now. He's leaving the pocket way too early at times. He's got to watch some Dan Marino, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow film and watch how they manipulate and move within the pocket. You know, right now, 
I think he got into some bad habits, and I don't know this, but I'm just this is me watching, you know, being Johnny Nerd who watches football all the time. I think last year got him in some bad habits. They couldn't protect him the last seven or eight weeks of the year. So he was always floating around because he knew, man, somebody's going to come free. I got to buy myself some time. And this year, I mean, there's there's a bunch of plays in the game the other day where I go, it's it's perfect. Where are you going? People are open. The interception, he's got Tyree killed down the left sideline. He's, I mean, it's, it's, it's what you want. But for some reason, he leaves the pocket. And the second read's open, too. And it's just a little of that right now to where he's not playing as true to form to the position as he's capable. And he needs to fix it because the offense is going to have to carry them. The defense isn't going to get much better. They're built for the offense to carry them. Expensive O-line, high-priced receiver, high-priced tight end, high-priced quarterback. It's on them to put the pressure on opposing teams and go off of that. It feels like we were looking at every team in the AFC North except for the Cincinnati Bengals. So you said, okay, (laughs) Ben coming back. They draft a running back. Maybe they got one more year of magic. All the Browns are loaded. You know, they're Super Bowl contenders. All the Ravens, they just beat the Chargers. They might have the MVP in Lamar Jackson. Then all of a sudden, Cincinnati comes to Baltimore. Now you can say trap game, but it's a divisional game. So I'm not buying it's a trap game. Um, Are you sold on the Bengals being the best team in the AFC North or at least a playoff team? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sold on them being on the playoff conversation and that type of team. Uh, again, yeah, I didn't see this coming from the Bengals. I mean, I'm not going to lie. But I will say for the last, like, two weeks, and I think Football Night in America two Sundays ago, I said, like, listen, stop everybody waiting for, like, the floor to fall out here. It's not. They're here to stay. This is They're not going to fall apart as a football team. That's not going to happen. And I'm not saying they go to the playoffs, but they're playoff caliber for sure. You know, you look at their team, their offensive line, they're really big in the interior. They've gotten a little bit better every week. You got a star running back in Mixon. They have a good little offensive system where they draw up a few tricks every now and every week just to to add to that. And, of course, Jamar Chase, is, he's uncoverable. I mean, he really is. He's in the conversation for the best receiver in football already as a rookie. If you play one-on-one, your butt's going to get burned. That's just plain and simple, let alone they got other guys in the passing tree there that are good too. And defensively, Dan, they got two big guys in the middle in Ogunjobi and DJ Reader, three athletic linebackers, two real good safeties, and some good cover corners. It wasn't a mistake they were toe-to-toe with the Green Bay Packers a few weeks ago. Yeah. They're, they're that caliber of a team, and I think they're going to be here to stay for, for the rest of the year. Uh, good to talk to you as always. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Chris. Right, thank you, Dan. Say hi to all those idiots back there with you, okay? Hey, hey Chris says, uh, hey, hi, idiots. Hi, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Hi. Yeah. It's uh, Chris <laughs> Sims, you. Pro Football Talk Live, co-host, NBC Sunday Night Football Analyst. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. It's hour two on this Tuesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick's show. We chopped it up a little bit with Chris Sims from Pro Football Talk last hour. If you miss any interviews, you can always go to danpatrick.com, including the interview yesterday with Carson Palmer. That was in the final hour of the show, and we talked a little bit about USC's search for a new head coach, and Carson dropped a bombshell for a lot of people in the media, certainly those in Pittsburgh, that maybe Mike Tomlin would be on that list. 
Not that Mike Tomlin has put his name on the list. It's USC is putting his name on the list. I have some other candidates, some more information about USC and James Franklin uh, coming up here in a moment. You know what I learned last night watching Seattle against the Saints? Eli Manning is the interesting Manning. He's the cool one. Peyton is a nerd. Eli is fun. Like, Peyton is a football nerd. Eli, you know, if you said, okay, who are you going to hang out with? Now, normally you would say Peyton, and, and I've been fortunate to be with the entire Manning family in New Orleans at a Super Bowl, and they're all characters, it's, and, you know, especially Cooper, the oldest brother. But I noticed last night, Eli is the cool guy. He's funny. He's quick. He sneaks in and out. Peyton's the one that everything bothers him. Like, there'd be a missed field goal, and he acted like it was Mike Vanderjack that missed a field goal. He's like, ah. And then Eli's like, what are you, why, why is it bothering you? Like, you know, we thought Eli was the nerdy brother for such a long time. And I realized Eli has a great personality and a perfect personality to be the foil for uh, Peyton. And, and, and this note to executives, TV executives, we, we live in a world where we try to replicate, we try to imitate. Don't do it. Just be careful when you go, hey, and we're going to put two guys in there and we're going to let them have fun. Thursday with the Hasselbacks. Yes. I I don't want to see Thursdays or Mondays or Sundays with the Hasselbacks. This is a rare, this is like the NBA on TNT. And ESPN is trying to replicate, has been trying to replicate the NBA on TNT with Charles Barkley, Ernie, Kenny, and Shaq for years. You can't. Teams wanted to replicate the greatest show on turf, St. Louis Rams. You can't do it. But they try. And they can, everybody wanted to be the Golden State Warriors. We're going to come out and just fart and, you know, start firing threes. You can't be the Golden State Warriors because you're not Steph Curry. You're not Clay Thompson. You can't be that. We get caught up in ESPN was trying to replicate Monday Night Football for years. No. Sports Center is still trying to be what Sports Center was 20 years ago, and they're not able to do that. It's we want it, we looked at something and we go, oh my God, why didn't we think of that? And then you try to uh, imitate that, and you can't imitate that. This is two brothers played a high level. They won four Super Bowls. They have respect. There's no host. They have a great guest list. I mean, I'm watching the game, and, and I'm not really watching the game. Because if you don't have a rooting interest, then watch Peyton and Eli. Because if it's a game that you don't have any money on or fantasy players or rooting interest, they talk about a lot of things football-wise and, and really brilliant. And then Drew Brees came on. Drew Brees is basically saying, oh, that formation, uh, that's going to be this. And then that's exactly what happened. Or the defense. Hey, you know what? They're not going to blitz on first down. They're going to blitz on second and third. And then they blitzed on second and third and sacked Geno Smith both times. That it's entertainment. Now, if you want to watch the football game, then watch, you know, the regular broadcast. But as far as just eavesdropping, as if the Manning brothers were letting you eavesdrop on their conversation in their uh, man caves. That's what you get. And they've done a really great job. Marshawn Lynch was a lot of fun last night. Tom Brady came on. You can't compete with that. If you're just watching as a casual fan, as I was last night. Yeah, Seton. Peyton's intensity. 
during the games is it's kind of hilarious. It's almost like he's got money on the game. That's the same energy that he's like watching this kickoff. Like, what are we oh, guys? God, you can't. Oh. Grinding his teeth and yeah. slapping his thighs. And it's cost him five grand. Eli, yeah. I thought my computer screen was frozen. Eli doesn't move for three hours. Huh. <laughs> it was good. It was entertaining. The game wasn't that good. And, you know, Seattle still has those problems. I know you don't have Russ there, but you're scoring 10 points. It's, it's a good Saints defense, but you haven't won a game at home. You're now two and five. You had to get through this game and then next game and then a bye week and then Russ is coming back and maybe, you know, can take you to a playoff spot, but I doubt it right now. You know, the Niners are down, but, uh, you know, Arizona looks legit and the Rams are certainly legit in that division. World Series game one, it'll be the Braves versus the Astros. Uh, Devontae Adams right now is on the COVID list, and I think he's doubtful for Thursday's game against Arizona. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. McLovin, the poll question for hour two is? Well, okay, hour one was, who is more likely to be back with their team next year? And Russell Wilson is actually running away with it over Aaron Rodgers. So people think Russ will stay with the Seahawks. Okay. Um, I hate to do this. Can I float some Aaron Rodgers trade ideas at you? No. Because that's not fair. Russ has already put out a wish list of teams, or his agent did, and the team is probably not going to make the playoffs. I, I think that that's at least a – that's potentially a real story. I don't, I don't want to do that with Aaron Rodgers. And, because what happens when I say something on this show, it makes headlines. You know, when Carson Palmer was with us yesterday, or go back to when Russ was with us after the Super Bowl, when things are said on this show, they make headlines. And Carson Palmer yesterday made headlines. I didn't know what he was going to tell us because I was bringing up USC, the coaching search. Is he involved in that? And I, I assumed that Carson was a sounding board at USC, and he should be. But um, I asked him about James Franklin being the front runner at USC. I think there's a lot of front runners right now, and that's why I like where we're sitting. I mean, we, we had the first hot seat open up. You can't have a so lot that, of front runners, Carson. You can have a front I mean, runner. You've got Penn State. You've got Iowa State. You've got Cincinnati. You've got a wild card like uh, Mike Tomlin. That, that If Mike Tomlin wants out, and, and it, I think, you know, at the end of the day, there is not a direct – that's the guy everybody's pointing their fingers at. There's a there, there's a lot of great options. Has has and Mike USC, Tomlin hypothetically been discussed? Uh, I I'm sure he has. I think I think anybody is a potential candidate right now, and that's what's so great about the job is it can lure an NFL guy in that's tired of their current situation and worried about is Ben Roethl- Roethlisberger gone? Is he done? Who are we going to draft? Do I have, does Mike Tomlin have to start over with a first-round young rookie quarterback? Mm. You know, everybody's on the table being that that job is so big and so coveted. Um, you know, I think, I think there's a bunch of people that, that are in the discussion. And once we get to week 16, 17 of the NFL season and the college football season is over, we'll have a direct front runner. Wow. And I okay. think that and, and we sweet. talked a little bit more about this, but this has to do with let's see where Pittsburgh is week 16 or 17. This is a wish list. I have not heard from anybody telling me directly that Mike Tomlin has expressed interest in the USC job. 
Maybe he has, maybe through a third party, but I have not been told anything. And if I had been or have been, I would tell you that. I have not heard. This is just a wish list. Everybody looked at this and went, oh, there's no way he'd leave the NFL. You can't leave the Steelers. I'm not saying he is or will. I'm just saying, and Carson was saying this yesterday, you have a wish list. You're going to take a shot. There's going to be other people. Kellen Moore's name is going to come up here. He's the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. All right? His name's going to come up at some point. I'm told that James Franklin is trying to leverage Penn State, but his season is now on the brink. Tough games ahead, and some at USC have cooled on him. Also told that he is now being represented by Jimmy Sexton. The agent is is now representing him. To which I asked my source, what's that mean? And my source said, Sexton will leverage him to the max. He is powerful, especially with the SEC. This might be LSU instead of USC. USC is a fluid situation of who they're looking at. Chris Peterson, BYU, or uh, Boise State and, uh, and Washington. Not coaching right now. He's another name. You're going to hear a lot of different names being floated about. But this is, this is not something that Mike Tomlin has, you know, suggested that or is, is trying to get on that, that list. Now, he's going to have a press conference today. He's probably going to answer this in about two hours where he's going to be asked about this, to which he'll say, I love it here. I have no knowledge of that. And uh, we're moving on and whoever we're playing next. That's it. But if you look at the situation there, I think he has a Hall of Fame resume right now in the NFL. I think his his career mirrors Bill Cowher, and Bill Cowher went into the Hall of Fame. This is Ben's last year. Who are you bringing in? Can you bring in a free agent? I know he's openly flirted with Aaron Rodgers, but are you going to bring in somebody? Are you going to draft somebody? And if so, are you going to be there for the long haul? Pittsburgh is the most loyal franchise when it comes to their head coaches. We'd look at this and say, you're crazy to leave the NFL. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, certainly sounds like that. I don't know what his lifestyle is like. I don't know if he wants a change. Yeah, he's got to go out and recruit. Yeah, I know all of those things. You know, it's a grind. Okay. Maybe he doesn't want to have a new quarterback come in. Maybe he wants a different challenge. Maybe you have that midlife coaching crisis where you're in your mid-50s and you go, I got a chance to do something different. Maybe that happens with Mike Tomlin. But I don't want people to misconstrue that Mike Tomlin wants this job or is actively seeking that. And USC has had any contact with him. All this was was Carson Palmer gave us a peek at USC's wish list. That was it. As he said, hey, we got Iowa State's coach. We got Cincinnati's coach. We got, we got James Franklin. We got all these people. And there's others. I'm told Kellen Moore, the Cowboys offensive coordinator, and also Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator with the Cowboys. I'm also told this today. USC is a better job than most NFL jobs, so coaches with weak ownership will be especially interested. And then my source said, Cliff Kingsbury, question mark? Okay, once again, this is what's being discussed. But it doesn't mean Cliff Kingsbury wants to leave Arizona. USC 
probably thinks they're far more important on the football landscape than what they really are. But if I'm looking for somebody, I have to think that way. I'm going to take all the shots, all the swings I can because you've made all of these other coaching mistakes. Get it right. You've gone through coaches, athletic directors, presidents. Get it right. And that's, therefore, you have to take a swing at everybody. Who knows? What if Mike Tomlin said, yes. I mean, James Franklin, all right. James Franklin want to stay at Penn State. He's either going to get a raise or he's going to take another job. Either way. And maybe he's going to leverage USC, LSU, and then what do you get at Penn State? But this is what happens. But I know... I felt bad for Carson Palmer because at the very end when I he said, oh, you, you hadn't heard that. And I go, no. And he goes, uh-oh. Because then you knew it's live radio and he was busted. That they have discussed, or at least he knows the name is on the list. Yeah, Paul. You know, USC is still a prime job, but look at the landscape of football in Los Angeles. When Pete Carroll was there, there was no NFL teams. Now they have two. UCLA was down. UCLA now is relevant. And, you know, the USC job still is what it is, but there's a lot more choices for the football fan. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Jim Jackson, NBA on TNT, Clippers, Fox analyst, and uh, he's called the uh, first three Clippers games. They're one and two right now. Jim, good morning. How are you? Dan, I'm good. Um, what is your costume? What's your Halloween costume? I'm going to go as a Hall of Famer. <laughs> like in what sport? Uh, radio. Uh, oh, okay. What, yeah. what, what is that? You going to go as a mic? No, just going as myself. <laughs> Like, I'm just going in as a Hall of Famer. I don't know. (laughs) Did you ever have a good costume growing up? No. Mine were terrible, bro. I mean, we were were into it. We just wanted to get out and run around the streets and try to get some free candy. Yeah. So we kind of put some stuff together. I mean, one time I think I went as Lynn Swan. That was because that was my favorite athlete. So I was Lynn Swan, Pittsburgh Steelers up, helmet, everything. Did you ever meet Lynn Swan? You know, I did. It was years later. I think I was in the league, and I ran up to him. I'm like a little kid. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, man, I thought I was going to be you when I was growing up, man. It was awesome, man. But you're growing up in Ohio, so you weren't a Browns fan. You're a Steeler fan. No. And, you know, I, it's funny because I grew up closer to Detroit. So, actually, the Lions were more in touch, but not a Browns fan, not a Bengals fan. Uh, no, I just – it was something – I think when I was younger then, it was the colors, the black and gold in the 70s. Of Pittsburgh Steelers, and since then, even you remember the electronic football game yeah. that vibrated. Yeah. Okay. Everything I have was Steelers stuff. Everything. Have you mm-hmm. gone to a game? Oh yeah. So I was at I was at uh, Three Rivers the last year before they moved the Heinz Field to a Cowboys game, 
And then I went to Heinz Field for a game. So a few of my friends, one I grew up with, played high school basketball with, went to Michigan State, played uh, quarterback or safety uh, for the Steelers. So I went to support him. And then uh, another young fella, uh, Nate Washington, who played receiver, yeah. was for the Steelers, was from Toledo, and went to go watch him and support him. So had some blood running through the veins, a little bit of uh, Toledo, Ohio guys uh, playing for, for my for my squad. Okay. How many shoes do you have behind you? Bunch. Okay. If I said over, under 100? Uh, over. Okay. What's the pair you're grabbing if you got to grab a pair leaving the house? Uh, oh, that's a good one, bro. You know, we like to match the outfits up a little bit now. You got to coordinate a little bit. Uh, you know what? Actually, though, it's a pair of slip-ons that are just these white um, Steve uh, Janifikowski or Jan something like that, Nikes, that's, that just easy. You just slip them on and just go. No style, nothing else. Just white, go with everything. Any autograph, any autograph sneakers in there? No, unless you want to send me some. <laughs> you know, Hall of Famer. I mean, you, know, well. you, don't, you don't have any Jordan <laughs> autographs or any of that stuff? No, no. No. You know, I do have, you know, it's funny. I have a Jordan autograph picture. When I was a sophomore, maybe junior in high school, they had a, I was in, you know, Ohio, of course, and I was being recruited by Ohio State. So they were playing at the old St. John's Arena, and it was a preseason game. Dennis Hobson was on the team, played at Ohio State. So they were playing, I think, the Cavs. And I got a chance to go in the locker room afterwards. And I got this picture with Michael Jordan uh, after the game, which I still got is at my mom's house. That's the only autograph I got. Well, I think I got a I got Muhammad Ali, a boxing gloves. Yes. Did Jordan remember giving you that when you uh, played Hell against no. him? Not at all. No, he didn't. Have, he didn't have a clue. <laughs> he didn't have a clue. <laughs> he didn't have a clue. You didn't mention that to him when you... I, I didn't bring it up either. No, I did not. <laughs> okay, help me understand this with LeBron James. He attempted okay. six threes a game last year. That's the mm -hmm. most in his career. In right. three games so far, he's taking 10 threes a game, and he's shooting 48%. When you get older... Yeah. You don't take it to the hoop as much as you used to. We've mm -hmm. seen a lot of guys. Vince Carter became a three-point shooter. Jay Kidd became mm -hmm. a three-point. You know, is is LeBron, is this the evolution of LeBron becoming an older player, but still a relevant player? Yes. But you, but you have to, Dan, because you can't exert that same amount of energy and take that pounding as you used to, even though LeBron is like, you know, from Mars somewhere and still subhuman and what he does at his age. But you can tell over the years that the pounding has taken away some of his athletic ability, especially when he sometimes gets to the basket and can't finish as well as he did in the past. So, you know, as a player, you look at what's the easier way for me to be more effective. But that also goes back into putting in that work in the gym, because if you don't put in the work, then that viable option to step out and shoot threes is not there. And, you know, that was one of the questions in LeBron's career early on in regards to his jump shot. But as he's matured as a player, you know, he shot, he, he has shot a, a really good percentage from behind three point line, but now it's more relevant and prevalent because he is a little bit older. Yeah. I don't consider him a very good shooter, but 
Like he's a scorer. But, but he's accurate. But he's but he's accurate. And when you look at the percentages of yeah. a three point shooter, he's not a catch and shoot guy that you're going to spot in the corner and you know he's going to be not. But I tell you one thing for for a ball handler, uh, what he's able to do when guys go under the screen and step back and shoot it, that is a weapon to have that a lot of people sometimes don't have. You know, what makes Steph so good and Kevin Durant, not only can they beat you with catch and shoot, but they can beat you off the dribble. So LeBron being able to handle, step behind the screen, come down and shoot it off the dribble, I think keeps him viable and, and, and active and a threat when he has the ball in his hand. I've told this audience, don't overreact to anything. Whether No matter what the sport is, we, we want to we wanna figure something out before – you should mm-hmm. figure it out, especially week one. You know, the Lakers, okay, they got an old roster. Uh, Russ, he's not really fitting in. Oh, you got uh, Dwight Howard and uh, Anthony Davis pushing each other. I want to wait till after Christmas, and yeah. then I'll get a better sense of how healthy they're going to be. What's the workload like? Does Russ know what his role? Russ has never been like that number three option. And, and you go from being ball dominant to mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do? And I, I don't think they're playing good defense. Um, I'm going to beg. I'm going to let everybody shoot for the most part. Go ahead, shoot those jumpers. I'm fine with that. What is your takeaway from the Lakers' first week of the season? This is their preseason because they really didn't play the core group together a lot of minutes in preseason. Now, keep in mind, you still Kendrick Nunn is out in there. THT, okay. Um, Wayne Ellington, which changes the dynamic of your offense because you have a shooter. So you don't have a full complement of who the Lakers are going to be. Again, everybody wants to overreact in that. I don't care, like you said, what sport. But a lot of people just want to be right and say, well, I told you this team was not going to be that good. I told you this was going to happen. I told We know in, in this league that 20 to 25 games, you kind of figure out who you are as a team. Now, the outlier in, in that is if, if you had some key players who weren't healthy right away that are just now getting back into it. So that number of games may be skewed a little bit more and may be larger because you got to integrate those guys in to see who you are. But I, I just think for the Lakers, it's a matter of getting guys on the same page, understanding rules. I think Russ will be fine. You know, the difference is, is that he's not a catch and shoot player that plays with LeBron. But if you're the Lakers, what do you want? You want to be in a good position come the second half of the season to be healthy, playing well, and ready for the playoffs. Whether that's you're in, you know, you know, in the fifth position or third position, it doesn't matter. I don't think to the Lakers, they just want to be healthy, playing their best basketball, going into the playoffs. Any issue with Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard having a little uh, shoving match? Well, it depends on what it was about, really. If it was more than that. For that to escalate over one play, you can question to say, did it really just escalate over you didn't switch on the backside? Or is it something there? We don't know. We have to keep our eye on it. But not yet. now, players get into it. You hate to see it, Dan, though, on the sideline. Now, guys get into it in arguments, pushing matches in practice and stuff all the time. But when it plays out on national TV on the bench with those two players, that's when, you know, all eyes are like, okay, what's the real issue? And sometimes it may be something as simple as a miscommunication or sometimes it could be some other little thing brewing. So hopefully that's not the case, but it's not something that's an anomaly to professional sports. He's Jim Jackson, former NBA great. He is a Clippers analyst, also Fox analyst. What did you make of Paul George talking to Steph Curry and saying during the game, hey, 
let me shoot one from the logo. I'll let you shoot one from the logo. And Steph, they pick it up on microphones. Yeah. And, no. and, and Steph shoots the three from the logo and makes it. Don't poke the bear. Just, just leave that one alone. I mean, some things you know Steph is going to do. And I think Paul was, you know, challenging from the perspective because he's rolling at the time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the Clippers are coming back. But it's, it's some things. It's just like, no, nah, no. Nah, when, when I actually play against Mike, it's some things I would say and talk, you know, and then, you know, he'd give you that look and next to you know he goes off. And that's Steph, too. Steph may not look intimidating. Steph may not talk a lot of stuff, but – you put him in that situation, Dan, he's going to make you pay for it. He did. I mean, I don't know if it was the next play. <laughs> he stepped to the logo and knocked it in. But but, but why uh, would Paul, you say something to Michael Jordan, Jim? Well, I mean, because, you know, at the time you didn't care. I mean, you were competing. You know what I mean? You know, listen, at the end of the day, Mike, if he gives you 40 or 50, so what? He, he didn't did that to everybody. <laughs> I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you, I mean, so it's like, <laughs> I mean, we we were we were going back at it in my when I was in New Jersey. We we had beat them myself, Sam Cassell, and that squad. John Calipari was the coach. We beat them in Jersey, and they were hot. So we came back to Chicago and played, and we were jawing back and forth the whole time. I mean, just going at it. And uh, after the game, uh, Joe Klein, we're walking in the line. He said, "Man, leave my young fella alone." And Mike said, "No, JJ's that's my guy." But tell him that's why he's wearing my shoes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Look, mic drop. Mic yeah, drop. Yeah, that, yeah. And you know what? I kept wearing them for the rest of the year, too, Dad. I didn't take them off. Yeah. M-I-K-E, <laughs> that kind of mic drop. Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. I did have 33, though, that game. So I can't. we lost, but I held my own for at least one game. Um, I'm trying to figure this out with uh, Steve Nash's approach. He said that James Harden has unfairly been the poster child of some of these rule changes with non-basketball moves. He says he's still getting fouled, but feels the refs are hyper-aware with them when Harden has the ball, and uh, he's at, at the time shot only nine free throws. Didn't Steve Nash, you know, wasn't he the one that said something about Trey Young and that's not basketball, the moves that he yeah. has, and now all of a sudden... James Harden's not getting these calls. What do you make of this? Well, well Trey is not on his team. That's why. What you mean? I mean, James, <laughs> James Harden is. So, of course, you're going to go to bat, you know, for your player. But listen, it isn't, man. For years, James has been able to get away to Steph. is not shooting the same amount of free throws. Um, I don't think Luca or Trey Young this year right now shooting the same amount of free throws because they got to make an adjustment. The rules were one way. As a pro, you make the adjustment. I remember, they remember the hand-checking rule came in. Yeah. And that was such a different way of playing defense than we were taught. It took time for the really great defensive players to adjust. And they didn't like it. They were picking up fouls because that was their, what they were accustomed to. And no matter what their reputation was about being a great defensive player, they were still getting foul called. But eventually they were able to figure out that fine line in between of how to bend that rule a little bit. And I do believe that the the, the players that uh, are accustomed to getting to the line, drawing those fouls, once they play more games and figure out how the officials are calling it, will be able to make the adjustments. You can't be mad now because for so long, you've been getting away with a lot of stuff. Again, a lot of fouls that probably weren't fouls. So the tendency is to complain about it a little bit, but – Pros will be pros and they'll figure it out. This was a conversation that was brought up on this show when um, Zion and John Morant 
coming into the NBA. Mm-hmm. And then we saw them playing. And I remember being asked by uh, one of my guys, you know, who would you take? And I said, well, I would take Ja Morant, the basketball player. I'd take Zion as the draw. Because I, yeah. I th- mm-hmm. you know, Zion's going to, people come out to see him. But I think Ja Morant is the better basketball player long term because of Zion, that weight. Um, he, you know, he's coming off foot surgery now. I mean, yeah. that, and he's close to 300 pounds. Um, I, I know it's easy to make the call now and say John Morant, but I, I don't know about Zion bigger picture here. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, how long can he stay at a reasonable healthy. weight, healthy? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, but you know, it's a lot of people that are right now patting themselves on the back that said at the time that you, they were taking John Morant, but it's all relative to the team situation in new Orleans. They needed that draw. Yep. Okay. At the time they had Lonzo ball, who was running the point who they thought in their mind, was very complimentary to the team that they had because, um, you know, of his passing ability. Um, and John, I mean, if Zion, if all things were equal and he was healthy, that's kind of a once in a generation type of player, you know, and that's not taking anything from John because you can kind of find a job Morant in a draft and find a player that could be similar from a skill set, from a scoring perspective. Yep. You're not going to find a Zion Williams. You're just not. Yep. Okay. Now you want him to be healthy. Now looking back at it, oh, well, I told you so. Well, no, you didn't, because nobody can predict somebody's health. Now they did have some cautions, some warning signs to say that his his weight would become an issue if he doesn't handle it. Yeah. And up to this point, he's not been able to do that. Hence, not been on the court. And Ja right now has prospered and looks like the better player long term. Because he's been on the court. Yeah, I love John Morant. Oh, I had, well, I had the other day against the Clippers. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and, you know, the thing about it is his level of maturity of understanding. I think it, it, kind of him like Dame, Dame Lillard, okay, C.J. McCollum, small school, Steph Curry. And now job for them to, to be able to mature over three or four year period, okay, in school, learn the ins and outs, um, kind of grow their games become one of those, um, I think, um, from a leadership perspective, they learned how to lead, okay, during their time. So when they came into the league, they were a little bit more mature, a little bit more game ready. And that second year for them, you saw this big jump because of that maturity. Now, in college, you you know, as I know, Dan, if you're a senior, you're washed up. They look at you like, you, you know, you're not going to grow anymore. But I beg to differ because – we look at job and his outstanding ability, but it's in this it's in between here where he's really grown. Yeah. Now he's shooting the jump shot a lot better. It's gonna be tough, man. Uh I think your last year you played 13 games with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. No, I, I sat. Oh, you I was there. You didn't get to play. <laughs> I was there. Uh did you <laughs> did you keep your jersey from that last season with the Lakers? Honestly, you know, the 24 I have it because my mom likes to collect it. I probably would have threw it away just knowing me just because I didn't play. But, no, I kept it because it was, I mean, being part of the organization, of course, of the Lakers. And, you know, I got to say, Dan, you talk about being in the Hall of Fame. You know, my jersey's up there hanging in the rafters right now. Which one? 24. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so about thirteen was 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 well utilized while I was there. 
Okay. You know? All right. <laughs> so you're taking credit for Kobe's 24? Um, uh, yeah, I'm taking credit. <laughs> now, you, you, know what's, you, you know what's funny, though? It, coming into the year, this is what I heard, though. Coming into the year, he wanted to change from 8 to 24, but that he had waited too late. Because, you know, they'd already began to market the number eight. Yeah. So that's why the following year he had ended up going to 24. And I, I was able to get it while I was there. So but I'm still going to take credit for it. Hey, great to great to talk to you. And uh, we'll check in with you during the season. Thank you, Jim. You're ready. Go Bucks, man. All right. That's uh, Jim Jackson.